Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Innovation Tech Talks. I'm your host, Corey Knowles. Today's podcast is brought to you by Omron Healthcare, a leader in healthcare technology. We're going to be speaking today about live streaming of, of events and all kinds of other things. We'll talk about what that involves, the tech, and maybe the future of live streams. Our guest today is Bill Wishon, Chief Product Officer of Phoenix, a real-time streaming tech provider. Bill, we're honored to have you today. How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Um, I, I guess to get us rolling, can you give us a little background about Phoenix and what you guys do over there? Yeah, absolutely. So Phoenix, uh, we're a company that's focused on uh, interactive broadcasting, interactive experiences uh, relating to video, audio, and, and data. So uh, here at Phoenix, uh, we've built a platform that allows for us to create uh, experiences where uh, the video signal uh, is being transmitted in real time. So just like we have uh, real-time communications for things like Zoom meetings and uh, WebEx-type meetings, uh, we can now do that with uh, professional uh, content, such as sports content or um, you know, game show content, other kinds of content, and create interactivity around it. Uh, you know, One of the things that uh, most people, I don't think, you appreciate or realize is that most OTT live video uh, that you consume uh, is delayed by about 30 to 40 seconds from what's happening behind the camera. So it takes about 30 or 40 seconds for most traditional online systems to get that video from light coming into the camera at one end to light coming out your screen you know, at the other. Uh, whereas with uh, Phoenix, we can do that, that whole end-to-end -end process in less than half a second. Uh, and wow. that allows you to have interactivity you know, between the audience and somebody behind the camera, potentially. Uh, it's wow. also true that, you know, here at Phoenix, we've developed a synchronization technology called SyncWatch that allows for us to synchronize the entire audience so that you can have interactivity amongst audience members. Because the other thing that I don't think is widely appreciated is that with traditional, you know, OTT video technology, there's a large drift amongst the audience. So even if we're all watching, let's say, you know, NBC's version of uh, you know, an Olympic event or something, even though we're all watching the same provider's video feed, we could be off in time by 30, 40 seconds. And so we're trying to have a text conversation or, you know, have a side chat, you know, and uh, I say, hey, that's a great play. Or do you see that, you know, uh, that move? And of course, you haven't seen it yet. And you won't see it for another 30 seconds or something like that. So by doing this, by making the, the latency real time and by providing the syn synchronization, we're able to enable interactivity. And that's really the key that drives uh, the majority of uh, our uh, sort of business and use cases around interactivity, whether that's gamification and you're doing some sort of interactive game with the other people that are watching and the people behind the camera, uh, or you're doing some sort of you know, multi-angle viewing where you're viewing a, an event from multiple angles, you need to keep in sync with each other. Uh, you know, those are the sorts of things that um, you know, kind of come our way in terms of use cases. Well, that's really interesting. You know, I've I've noticed before watching, for example, and I'm sure this is the worst quality of streaming on earth, but on YouTube, when you're watching something stream like that, you might see someone in the comments make a comment. They, they start freaking out about some play and you're like, yeah. nothing's happening. They're still just standing right. here. Mm -hmm. uh, is that kind of that gap you're talking about? How we're, that is exactly right. Maybe That's somebody exactly in Delaware is no. already seeing this and you're not yet, for example. Yep. That's exactly right. And and also in a, uh, a live stream environment that's not in real time, uh, you'll get questions in the comments that relate to something the speaker might have said, uh, you know, 
10, 30 seconds ago, you know, uh, depending on the latency of the stream, you know, they're commenting on something they heard a little while in the past. And so the comments aren't as relevant to the presenter even, you know, because yeah. uh, if the presenter is monitoring the chat comments, they're monitoring comments about something they said just a little while ago. Which makes it tough. Yeah, I, I can see that. That makes sense. I never thought about that being a concern. Um, Bill, I guess I, also something I'm curious about, what's what's your background prior to Phoenix? What brought you to this? Well, you know, my background has been focused on innovation in the media and entertainment space primarily throughout my uh, career. You know, I, I founded a startup up in Seattle early in the or late in the 90s uh, around image manipulation and delivery to cell phones. And uh, mm -hmm. then I worked for a, a small startup called Lightsurf Technology that uh, the founder of which, Philippe Kahn, invented the camera phone. Uh, and we launched the, the camera phone in the United States with uh, picture messaging. Uh, wow. And uh, then I ended up working for a company called Contiki, which uh, brought peer-to-peer -peer technology to the BBC and Channel 4 and B Sky B. This was before streaming was a thing, if you can remember back that far, when you had to download your video before you could watch it. Um, yeah, so yeah, we were, I'm thinking back to Napster and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it so that it era? Yeah, it's exactly that era, but it was applied to sort of professional video, you know, the BBC's iPlayer, being able to download those videos before you watch them. Uh, and using the the peer-to-peer -peer technology to enable that. And then right about that time, streaming kind of took off and Move Networks and Akamai and uh, you know, uh, Adobe Flash and everything started taking off and allowing for uh, the click-to-play experiences that we all are familiar with now. I ended up working for Akamai for um, you know, quite a few years, about a decade or so, and uh, in their uh, CTO office, really kind of looking ahead of the, the product roadmap, trying to uh, build out some you know, proof of concept and uh, some uh, you know sort of early demonstrations of what could be done looking ahead of the roadmap and what's coming in the media entertainment space and and that's where I had a realization that you know, OTT video had surpassed traditional video in terms of quality so you can go online now today and you can find more 4k HDR content online than you can through traditional uh, terrestrial over-the-air broadcast and you know, yeah. satellite broadcast Um and then you also had the, the situation where OTT video can support uh, live broadcast events at the same scale as broadcast, a traditional broadcast, right? So 10 million plus uh, viewer audiences are now possible. Uh, Akamai's demonstrated that. Others have uh, demonstrated high you know, scale events. But the one thing that got kind of left behind was latency. And I looked at that as an opportunity and said, well, is latency, is it valuable to reduce the latency, you know, because we're, we're looking at latencies of 30 seconds or more. Is there value in reducing it? And if so, where does that go? How low does it go? What's, what's the technical reality of how do you do that? And in my sort of technologist mind, yes, there's value there. And yes, it's possible. Uh, but uh, nobody was uh, really focused on that space that, uh, that I could see. And I, I then met up with uh, the founder of uh, Phoenix, Stefan Beer, and he had been looking at this space and building a scalable platform for the delivery of real-time video to enable interactivity. And that's when I, uh, you know, switched and joined up with uh, Phoenix about four years ago or so, because uh, here at Phoenix, we're actually solving this problem in, in the real world, not just thinking about it and not just, uh, you know, uh, wondering about it. But, you know, we've had uh, events, you know, with half a million concurrent viewers in real time, you know, watching content. Uh, and you know, proving out that our platform uh, can 
do what it says it can do and scale and provide the quality of video, the latency, and um, you know, give everybody the, the real-time interactive experience that I think drives another level of engagement. Ultimately, why do we do all this? It's because viewers are going to get some extra value out of that experience versus a high latency experience, whether that's because yeah. they're able to interact with each other and send each other messages, whether it's because they're placing wagers in a peer-to-peer wagering market or a you know a bookmaker you know, wagering market, or whether they're um, it's who wants to be a millionaire, which we did a companion app to the who wants to be a millionaire, um, you know, game show. And you're able to interact with the content in a different way because you're able to, you know, have that real time experience. I mean, these are the kinds of things that I think keep people engaged in the services that they're, uh, consuming. And so if you're engaged more, you're more likely to, you know, renew your subscription. You're more likely to, uh, sort of, uh, watch more advertising or whatever it is that's the monetization mechanism, uh, you're, you're going to stay longer for those experiences that are engaging you. And that's really the, you know, the crux of the, the, the situation is how do we make more interactive, more interesting, more engaging experiences? And uh, real time is a part of that. What, a, and, and I'm not asking for your specific secrets, but kind of what went into trying to solve that latency issue? I mean, is that a software solution? Is this a hardware solution? Is this, a little of all of it. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, you know a software uh, you know, based solution. It's based on a technology uh, that's widely out there and adopted. It's called WebRTC. Uh, okay. you know, it may it may even be the technology we're using here uh, to have this conversation and, uh, and to record this this podcast. It's built into every browser, uh, mobile and desktop. It's pretty ubiquitous at this stage. Uh, you know, COVID has. Uh, it particularly proved that it's scalable in terms of the number of different people that can be having conversations on the internet, you know, simultaneously. But yeah. what hadn't really been focused on is the sort of single audience scalability issue, right? I mean, you've got uh, small groups of people chatting. It's a different kind of problem than a million people wanting to watch the same stream. And so I kind of say it's sort of the it's the same thing as the traditional OTT problem, but completely different. Meaning, it's the same problem of scale. You, know, you still have to get to support, you know, a million concurrence or more. But when I say it's completely different, it's because it's happening all in, you know, sub five hundred milliseconds. And so, yeah. everything you do in that chain, from signal acquisition to encoding to global transit to egress to client side buffering, you know, that whole chain of events needs to happen in, you know, the blink of an eye, versus you know, as far as computers concerned, 30 seconds is infinity, right? Computers are, yeah. are, are operating at a high frequency. And so one of the major challenges is just to design a system where each piece has been designed to take into account the fact that it is, you know, has to do its duty in a very small you know, window of time and keep everything flowing smoothly, you know, through the system. And so we built a, a global platform. It's uh, right now um, a little over 30 different points of presence around the globe. We, uh, uh, run and operate this, you know, twenty four by seven, and provide services to our customers based on on this platform. Nice. I was I was looking at your website. You guys have a pretty impressive client list too. I remember seeing uh, Verizon, Disney, some other big names that you've worked with mm -hmm. in the past, and uh, or currently, I'm not sure. But I, yeah. I, what you're doing seems to be working well. And one of the things I'm curious about is when you're doing a big event like this, like I, I saw you guys have done some like your call football and things along those lines. Mm -hmm. What goes into planning a massive stream like that? Mm. That's a good question. 
a lot goes into it. Uh, you know, I, I won't go into the the parts that kind of happened before us, which is the planning of the event itself, and you know, yeah. all of the you know things that happen on the physical field or, or whatnot. But where it really starts to touch Phoenix is uh, first is signal acquisition. You know, how do you get that signal from wherever it's being captured from that camera? Uh, on the field or on the racetrack, wherever that that camera is, how do you get that signal from where it is to uh, Phoenix to begin with? Uh, so that really yeah. kind of starts off the thinking. And uh, you know, we have uh, an encoder technology we can place, you know, on prem next to the camera, uh, picking it up over you know an SDI uh, traditional uh, sort of signal acquisition technique. Yeah. Uh, you know, it can be IP transport potentially from a stadium or a racetrack to some sort of central meet point um, using a low latency transport, like a, uh, a media transport network uh, to get that signal from the stadium to some sort of central data center where we pick it up there. Uh, depending on the event, we can also you know, pick it up over the internet directly from the event venue if they have enough bandwidth. They, they often don't have a great you know, set of connectivity depending on where it is, but sometimes they do and you can you know, uh, uplink a signal from the uh, event uh, stadium or location directly into the Phoenix cloud using, you know, RTMP, SRT, those sort of uh, over the internet uh, contribution protocol. So that's, that's yeah. a big part of it because uh, you know, if, if you have anything that goes wrong with that first mile, that first you know hop, that first link up into the system, the entire audience is affected. So you really have to you know, make sure that you're planning that piece uh, you know, well, and you have redundancy and, you know, um, we call it high availability, you know, where you, know, you want to make sure you have maybe two different internet links. So if one goes down and you have two you know, encoding you know, paths and so forth, so that you're you know, guarding against any kind of uh, single point of failure. Uh, so that's really, you know, a, a very important point is how you get that signal. And then there's two other pieces that go into you know, any uh, event. And uh, the next one is event management. You know, how do you hook up with the, the customer's event management system? You know, when is the next event? Uh, you know, turning up all of the re required software, you know, prior to that event and the pre-flight checks. And then, uh, you know, once the event is over, you know, capturing the recording or whatever you're going to do sort of post-event. Uh, and then there's the third piece, which is client-side integration. And that's, you know, integrating the video with the experience in the mobile app or in the web app. Uh, and so there's a discussion around uh, client-side technologies, whether it's iOS, Android, uh, web, uh, you know, a variety of ways to integrate this technology and uh, you know, create the video and interactive uh, experience on the client side. So those are the three main parts is, you know, acquisition management and, and delivery that we have to go through for any uh, event. Wow. Well, let's take a, a quick break here for a message from our sponsors at Omron Healthcare. Today's episode of Innovation Tech Talks is brought to you by Omron. Omron is a world leader in technology designed to solve social issues, improve lives, and build a better tomorrow. They serve a range of industries which utilize their technologies to innovate and grow factory automation, healthcare, mobility, and energy management. In the industrial automation business, Omron technology demonstrates the power of machines to unleash human potential, pursuing the ideal in automation in which people and machines are working together in harmony. Omron provides sensing, control, safety, vision, motion, and robotics technologies for the automotive, food and beverage packaging, semiconductor, electronics, life sciences, and infrastructure industries. For over 80 years, Omron has helped industrial businesses maximize potential by solving problems with creativity. Learn more, go to automation.omron.com. Now, something I'm wondering is... Uh... 
what kind of internet access does it take when you're talking about being able to stream out live 4K video without a delay? I mean, it seems like we'd be talking about some serious bandwidth. Well, the bandwidth requirements in terms of the uh, throughput levels are relatively similar to the traditional um, delivery technologies. It's not its not so cool. much about requiring more bandwidth. When you're talking about doing things in real time, the things that become more important are things like the latency and jitter. Um, so okay. uh, latency is, is how long it takes you know, the packets of, of data to go from, let's say, the data center to the client. Uh, and with uh, as many points of presence as we have, we're close to basically everybody uh, on the planet can can get to a Phoenix data center within, uh, say, 20 milliseconds or so. So we're, we're close to everyone from a latency perspective. The next thing is the jitter, which is you know, you're sending out packets on a regular basis like a metronome, you know, tick tock, tick tock. But sometimes yeah. in the delivery of uh, the, the, uh, the network, those packets get... Uh, spaced out differently. Some, you know, a few will get it delayed a little bit more than others. And so you end up with a on the receiver side, it's not the, you know, the metronome, there's, you know, a, a pause between ticks sometimes. And, you know, as those pauses happen, you know, that's more important to, to real time than it is to, you know, the higher latency uh, video streams, because okay. in the higher latency video streams, you've got a large buffer to deal with. And so you can just wait for those gaps to be closed and um, you, nobody notices anything. With real time, uh, we have to react to those uh, events in real time. And we have an adaptive bitrate video technology that allows us to switch uh, bit rates in the event that uh, the packets aren't keeping up or if there's a significant delay. And so in real time, we can switch from you know a 1080 stream to a 720 back to 1080 and make sure that people keep up with the live video and maintain yeah. their signal uh, while they're watching. Wow. What's uh when you're when you're streaming an event like that, what's your biggest hurdle? What is the the one thing that just has to go right or you've or the one thing that's your biggest concern every time you show up? <laughs> um I don't know if there's one single thing. I mean, I went through the three things that we normally go through very methodically, you know, yeah. to to vet uh, you know, the the ingest signal and I mean, out of those three things, I mean, I think the the ingest side and the the client integration pieces are uh, are key. Another aspect is what what happens outside the Phoenix part. So, meaning, okay, um, uh, let's just say you have a a payment gateway as part of the experience where you have to pay for this event. Uh, it's outside of our control, but we do talk with you know our partners and customers about it because uh, it has bitten other. Uh, events you know badly when everything is set up to scale and everything is set up great except you get something like a payment gateway that starts to get inundated with requests and slow down it starts to impact the user experience so it's not these are things that aren't directly related to the video streaming experience um, that can impact the user experience that even though they're to some degree outside of the scope of what phoenix does we're you know a lot of us are longtime industry veterans and we are watching out for our customers in these ways too just you know, sort of asking these questions, ensuring that these other pieces are also vetted in terms of their uh, request rate capacities and their uh, you know, scale and so forth. So, I mean, it's just, it's not like my biggest concern, but it's just, I haven't mentioned it before. It is something that we do, we do take into account 
uh, in addition to our own integration with our customer is just, you know, making sure that, you know, we're looking at the whole picture, I guess is my point, and yeah. not, not just the video piece. Okay. You know, something, something I was curious about is, are you seeing a lot more interest in finding ways to gamify these streams that, that companies you're working with are looking for ways to keep it more interactive beyond just the traditional chat window? Absolutely. I mean, that is uh, what is driving a lot of the interest right now. So particularly sports and uh, sports gambling. And even if you're not into gambling, the, the <laughs> gambling without the money is gamification. Yeah, know, more or less. Uh, right. <laughs> so uh, even if you're not um, you know, wagering actual money on something, you can be playing a game alongside of the sport event, you know, predicting what's going to happen and uh, to controls various aspects of uh, the experience. Like, you know, your call football was a very interesting uh, experiment where uh, the audience was actually calling the plays of what was going to happen on the field. Uh, and it was because it was happening in real time that you could get a vote and a tally in enough time for the coach on the side of the field to call the play based on the, the audience's decision. You know, that's a, an interesting example. And, um, you know, I think there are, you know, flavors uh, of of experiences that can involve, uh, you know, the, the gambling-like sort of uh, choosing what's going to, predicting what's going to happen type of model along with, uh, you know, interactions with perhaps celebrities that were former stars in the game uh, and, you know, creating options for users to uh, use those points they gain in one area to perhaps have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you know, with the, the celebrity that the whole audience is watching. Um, oh, that's wow. another point, you know, about our platform that is a differentiator from the traditional systems is that we can take a video feed input from anybody at any time. And so as you're watching, whether it's from your, your desktop, your mobile device, your tablet, you can, uh, you know, just click and publish your own video stream into the experience. And so uh, you could have uh, a soccer game where you could choose which commentator do you want to, you know, have the commentator be from the home team or the away team and, uh, you can then listen to that person commenting on the game. And then, you know, through some sort of gamification or some sort of system, you can raise your hand and say, I want to ask that person a question, turn on your video, and now you're interacting with that person and that person, you know, have that interaction and the whole audience gets to see that. And then when that interaction is done, that person goes back to being an audience member. And, uh, you know, and so we can just pull people in and push people out into from the audience to a participant and back to an audience member, you know, dynamically. That's wild. That's wild. How do you, you know, and you're talking about these things that are new ways that, that people are interested in streaming. How do you, how do you find what people are wanting and, and find a way to implement those into what your existing technology is? Yeah, that's uh, a very interesting part of the job for me because I feel like, uh, the analogy I like to, to use here is like a new artistic medium. Uh, so before there was film, you know, people were asking the same question you just asked, what, what would we do with this medium? Right. And before there was a uh, film with sound, you know, people were you know using uh, you know, sort of pianos in the theater and things like that. But then you had sound in the, in the picture and it was a new medium for the artist to work with. And in a lot of ways, the, real-time platform that's capable of doing you know, audio, video, and data in real time is a new 
a new artistic medium. It's a new paintbrush, a new way that you can be creative. And, and so I, I really enjoy personally the interactions I have with customers as they get to understand the toolkit that they can use and how it applies to them and their experience, right? So each of our customers, they have their own business, right? They have their own uh, objectives and their own uh, world. And here we are bringing a new uh, technology that opens up a new way of creating experience. And so you interact with the creative folks and you, you kind of educate them on what it is that's possible. And they start to have ideas about how they would use these tools to create their own unique experiences for their own uh, viewers. And that's, that's a fun part of it because, you know, with any new technology, you can create new experiences from, you get creative people, you know, having interesting ideas. And I go, wow, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it that way. I think, let me just check. Uh, yeah, I think we can do that with our platform. Let me let me go get an architecture together and put together some some thoughts on how we might accomplish that. I mean, it's a very fun part of the job. Nice, nice. That brings out the creative side, I guess. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, I look back and I think about the just massive impact that even just regular television had on society from its mm-hmm. inception and how it's grown. Do you feel like streaming is changing things at that level as well and will continue to as we move forward? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the fact that you can have uh, these video experiences in a platform where you can also bring in you know data and information and uh, interaction in a way that wasn't really available in television. I mean, television was a one-way broadcast medium, and now you're bringing that same level of video quality and uh, production capability into a world that's completely interactive. And so uh, this is true about the internet. It's true about, uh, if we want to get into it, talking about the metaverse. And and for me, the metaverse is just more and more immersion into an experience, right? So it's, um, you're taking flat video and making it something you can pan around in or something that you can you know, uh, wear a headset for. You're taking audio that was uh, you know, mono to stereo to uh, you know, 5.1 to spatial audio now. I mean, the spatial audio technology is pretty amazing, you know, where it is. Um, you previously had a, let's say a VR experience without spatial audio and it, it, it lacks something. You add spatial audio and now you can hear something off visual screen, right? Something that you can't see, you can hear and turn your head to go look at uh, because you auditorially hear the space, you know, where it is in the world, right? Because that's something we do every day in our real world is you know where someone's talking to you from. You hear something yeah. behind you, you turn around, right? And that that was lacking in, you know, the sort of reproduction uh, of experiences online and with uh, media. And it's now starting to be possible to reproduce those yeah. sorts of experiences with that high fidelity uh, and that's going to be another uh, sort of artistic medium, if you will. What do you do Absolutely. with you know, spatial audio and that that sort of thing? Well, you know, and I mean, with VR, prior to this, you're talking about going from what is essentially having 3D vision <laughs> with with 1 to 2D audio <laughs> mm-hmm. that isn't chasing, where now that's things like Dolby Atmos, for example, you know, is really... Mm-hmm is changing that as we speak to where it makes that, that VR experience so much better. Well, and even non VR, this is, this is my perspective. I, I think metaverse isn't just putting on VR goggles because I, I don't yes. think that that's a you know, mass market thing for quite a while yet. 
I still haven't yeah. seen the the killer use case that makes everybody want to go put on a, a headset. Um, yeah. But I can easily see how spatial audio can enhance many existing experiences with your devices. So, for example, even just the idea, you know, um, the AR experiences people are having, uh, you know, with uh, you know, sort of holding up their phones and, and looking at virtual experiences like the uh, uh, you know, the Pokemon Go experiences and things like that. If you had your AirPods in with the spatial audio capabilities and you're you know out there you know trying to capture the you know the Pokemon or whatever, you can now hear things that are happening off visual field and you know now you know you have an extra clue as to how to navigate the experience. Um, you know with all these virtual meetings, you can imagine being around a virtual table where you have uh, you know people uh, that you're talking to and someone speaks off camera and you can turn. And you know, see you know that person that was speaking, and so I think uh, even just adding in you know this layer of audio to two D video experiences is you know a step along the way. You know, yeah. uh, it is part of this you know, metaverse conversation that, you know, at least in my mind, I, I include things like that where it's just more immersion incrementally, um, you know, along the way. It is, and and you know something I joke about. You know, we we had a discussion about VR and AR at work the other day, and we were talking about how, you know, VR was trying to be a thing in the mid '90s. I mean, I remember Virtuality, the company you could go to maybe a mall, and they had a, a <laughs> VR headset, and you got in this stand and you played Mech Warrior with basically a real game that was a big game at the time. And, and it's just taken so long to progress that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, augmented reality comes out, and it's almost more fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I find that that integration of the digital world on top of your world as it exists is a really, it's an interesting dynamic. It's kind of like yeah. uh, listening to a vinyl record on a brand new high digital stereo or something like there's a, mm -hmm. you know, there's mm -hmm. a um, kind of an interchange that's happening there that I've always thought was neat. Yeah. There's uh, another area that I'm you know, fascinated by in this new uh, sort of world inching towards, you know, the metaverse, so to speak. Uh, and that is volumetric video uh, where you know, by combining multiple angles of cameras on the same focal point. So you have, you know, 10 cameras focused on a, a football field, uh, you can recreate the 3D environment from uh, analyzing those different camera feeds. And that would allow you to put a camera anywhere on the field you want. So if you wanted to watch the game from the 50, 50 yard line and be looking down the field at the players running at you, you could. If you want to put your camera you know, on top of the goalpost, you could. You want to put your camera, you know, in the end zone, you could. So uh, this allows you this I, this virtual camera capability where you can navigate this 3D space, but built from 2D camera input using, um, you know, computer algorithms to regenerate the 3D models and and to do that. And I think that, that technology is not quite real-time yet, but it's getting closer and it will be, I think, at some point. Um and that kind of like a higher tech Google uh, Google Street View sort of thing, where where yeah. you're watching all of these different images and angles come together. But I guess with with live video, that's a neat idea. Well, take Google Street View, and now it's 3D, not just a series of 2D camera shots, but yeah. now you can stroll in, you know, say Google Street View, 
uh, around objects and look at them from all sides. Yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah. And so uh, I think that is going to be something perhaps more interesting in a mass market appeal perspective than VR will be, you know, because I just, I still struggle to imagine the world where 10 million people are, you know, putting on headsets to experience something um, at the same time. But I can easily imagine 10 million people controlling uh, with their finger on a touchscreen the camera that they're using to view a sport event, right? Oh, I can yeah. easily imagine, you know, someone with a tablet sitting in front of a big screen, you know, uh, moving the camera around so they can have a, a experience watching the player they want to watch, you know, or, yeah. you know, watching the, the piece of the action they want to watch. I can easily imagine that. Or to and go back and watch a questionable play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if you have the ability to back up, I mean, you could go back and see, all right, is his foot really on the bag? Yeah. Does he, right. <laughs> is the ball really in his hand? Does he have Absolutely. full control of the ball? I mean, that is mass um, market, right? So I just, I see that as a, um, an opportunity where, uh, perhaps it, once it gets to that level of, of real time, you know, it, and, and ubiquity, you know, has more impact on the world perhaps than, than VR. Uh, nice. So where do you see, uh, where do you see Phoenix headed in the next, five, 10 years. Is it kind of that direction? Yeah, I think, uh, there's a few different vectors, uh, of, of progress. I mean, there's obviously the, the video, um, audio, uh, immersion and quality enhancement track where, uh, you're, you're going from, you know, 2d videos to, you know, 360 videos, 4k, 8k, you know, 5.1 to spatial audio. There's that whole, uh, world, but then, um, there's also the things that lead up to the metaverse. There's, there's like, like every iPhone, at least new ones out there, they have not only multiple cameras on them, but also LIDAR. And, yeah. and so you've got this ability to, to capture much more data in real time and to create 3D models in real time. Uh, and so I, I see the data portion of our platform as, uh, as a critical component of the, the future of Phoenix, where uh, instead of just transmitting uh, video, audio, and like chat messages. It's you know AI's client side analyzing you know sensor data, creating 3D models in real time, and transmitting deltas in 3D models that are then texture mapped on the other side, right? So you end up with an avatar-like experience on the other side that is sort of puppeted by the sensor data on the on the client that's producing the content, and then transmitted in real time in data as opposed to necessarily in in video. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think the data platform, uh, you know, sort of rises in prominence as these interactive experiences get more rich and complex, um, you know, along with the, the audio and video, obviously, but, uh, I think it's underappreciated, you know, the, the level of impact that these data, uh, you know, transit, uh, you know, systems are going to have. Wow. Well, Bill, thank you so much for join us, joining us today. Uh, yeah. Where can people go to learn more about Phoenix and keep up with the cool things you guys are doing? Well, there's our uh, homepage, which is uh, phoenixrts.com, uh, and that's phoenix, P-H-E-N-I-X. Uh, okay. And uh, we're obviously on, on LinkedIn and, and Twitter uh, also, uh, so you can follow us uh, in any of those places. Nice, nice. Well, everyone, thanks so much for watching. It's been a fun chat today, learning more and more about the streaming world, where it's going, and what goes into these kind of large-scale projects we see. Um, Please like, subscribe, 
make sure you check out our podcast wherever you go to get podcasts live on YouTube and all of the other streaming platforms. Um, and we'll be back here next time. Thanks for watching.